I had this crazy idea just now, which is not the first time, right? I get crazy ideas all the time, so I don't limit myself. But I thought, I should write some words and some music to that introduction. And then I thought, no, that's a really bad idea. So I'm going to let that one go. And that's probably to your benefit as well as mine. But I want to ask you a question. What do you care about? I mean, really, what are the things that really make you happy? What is your faith about? How do the words, when Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, what do those words mean to you? What are those things that bring you joy? Is there a difference between happiness and joyfulness? Can you experience joy while carrying your cross as God asks you to? And have you ever thought, why is Joe asking me so many questions? I'm listening for answers. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about joy, happiness, and the cross, and sometimes the apparent contradiction between joy and the things that make you happy and picking up a cross. And I say apparent contradiction because there really isn't a contradiction. But let me begin by giving you some personal examples. And by the way, this is excerpted, excerpt, ex, ex, this is taken <laughs> from my book, The Whole World is Going Crazy, But You Don't Have to, Scriptural and Psychological Healing. It comes from this book. So if you want to read more into it or get more details or do those next steps that are at the end of each chapter, then pick up the book. You can buy it at Amazon. But I'm going to give you a glimpse into one of my favorite topics, which is happiness and joy and the cross. Now, I love the beach. I love water skiing. I love snow skiing. I love a cold beer with friends and a warm steak right off the barbecue. I love to play hard. But these aren't the things I'm passionate about. They simply make me happy. Now, you might love watching football with friends on Sunday You might love chocolate cake or shopping, and these are pleasures, and they might even make you happy. But does the happiness last? Now, I want to invite you to consider your pursuit of happiness and suggest that you pursue a life of joy instead. The same God that says he wants you to experience joy, but not necessarily happiness, also asks you to pick up your cross and follow him. Again, it sounds like a contradiction, but maybe not. Let me explain. At the end of your life, you may have done a lot of things that made you happy, or at least you thought they would make you happy. But you still might say that your life was meaningless. Why? No joy. And no joy because there is no cross. Now, momentarily, I will present what I think is the world's best example of this. But first... I want to make an essential distinction between joy and happiness, as I understand it. And you may think the two interchangeable. Many do. Happiness has many definitions. Generally, it's described as involving positive emotions and feelings. It feels good, so we pursue it. Ironically, however, doing those things and having those things you may think will make you happy, sometimes they do not, particularly in the long run. You probably experienced this yourself. You get that new car and you're super excited. You're happy. But the months wear on and you've been making those car payments, the increased insurance payments, and soon that car that made you so happy becomes simply transportation. And it's much more challenging to be excited about transportation. Even if you think about the day 
that you bought that car. It probably doesn't bring you happiness. However, let's say that the same number of months go by that you purchased the vehicle, but instead you invested in someone else's life. Perhaps you gave to a charity and lifted a family out of poverty. And now when you think back on that day of your generosity, realizing that you did something significant for someone else, you are more likely to remember that day fondly and more profoundly. That is joy. Now, let me return momentarily to one of my silly examples of things that make me happy. (laughs) Steak. Now, I've had more than a few in my lifetime. However, no matter how hard I try, I just can't muster up happy feelings when I think about that one I consumed a few weeks back. There was one, however, I recall joyfully. A few years ago, friends took my wife and me to a great restaurant, and they insisted I ordered the expensive steak. And I didn't want to disappoint them. (laughs) And as I recall, it was terrific. And the waiter insisted the cow died stress-free because she, the cow, listened to smooth jazz before her unsuspecting demise. I kid you not. And this was one of the semi-secret keys to their great-tasting meat. And as I reflect on this wonderful night, I reminisce about the love and the laughter shared with our dear friends. And we wondered if the cow preferred Kenny G or the more traditional art pepper. The steak made me happy at the moment. But the joy I experienced, as I recall that night, reflects the more profound connection with our dear friends. Sorry, jazz-loving cow. Winning the lottery will likely make you happy, at least for a while. If winning the lottery takes you out of the stress of poverty, it can give you a sense of greater life satisfaction, which can last for a long while. After all, the stress of poverty is real. But for the most part, the level of happiness seems to return to where it was before the financial windfall for the folks lucky enough to win. Conversely, adverse life circumstances, even extreme ones, like a severe car accident, a loss of a loved one, are likely to make you sad or depressed for a while. Then eventually, probably sooner than you think, And unexpectedly, you will return to your level of happiness before you experience the tremendous setback. Of course, this doesn't preclude the possibility of experiencing post-traumatic stress or depression after trauma, but with the proper support, you can experience how wonderfully resilient God made you. Now, I could bore you with scores of studies and anecdotal evidence that support the above assertions, but I think by now, you know I'm not into being boring, and probably neither are you. So why doesn't pursuing and acquiring the things you think will make you happy keep you happy? The psychobabble term for this is called hedonic adaptation. You return to your set point of happiness after experiencing the highs and the lows. If, for example, your favorite thing in the world is to go to Disneyland and you go 100 days in a row, you will not experience the same incredible excitement or happiness as you did on day one of your visit to the Magic Kingdom. So one of the tricks to keeping extraordinary adventures and activities fun is to allow yourself to experience them rarely. Chasing happiness doesn't work. However, there is a lovely alternative. To embrace the cross and allow your life to be transformed and filled with joy. That doesn't fluctuate like happiness. You see, 
joy is more profound and far less dependent on your circumstances or on getting everything you think will make you happy. It's about connecting your life with meaning and purpose, giving. Joy is being grateful for your blessings and loving and connecting with others. Sacrifice, and yes, the cross. Now, as promised, the world's most noteworthy example, which demonstrates that having and getting don't equate to joy or happiness. King Solomon, David's son, was hailed as the wisest of men during his lifetime. People from all over the world would consult with him about nearly everything. Building, trading, plants, making money, settling family disputes. He amassed a massive fortune that amounted to tons and tons of gold and silver. Scripture reports he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. (laughs) Good luck keeping them all happy. He undertook colossal building projects, including homes, aqueducts, and gardens, and his crowning achievement was to build a grand temple for worshiping God. He did it all. He had it all. His pursuit of pleasure was unsurpassed, yet at the end of his own life, he confessed he hated life. He was miserable. His words, but when I returned, When I turned to all the works that my hands had wrought and to the fruit of toil for which I had toiled so much, see, all was vanity and a chase after the wind. There is no profit under the sun. That comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. And this, I say, epitomizes the empty pursuit of happiness. Now, trauma won't make you happy But what you do after the traumatic event may make you joyful. Yes, trauma may initially leave you feeling shocked, confused, betrayed, and lost. But it doesn't have to end there unless you allow it. You're probably familiar with the term post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is an affliction that develops in some people who have experienced a shocking, scary, or dangerous event. And it's natural to feel afraid during and after a traumatic situation. Fear triggers the body to help defend against danger or to avoid it. But for those who have experienced PTSD, the triggering anxiety and fear can stay long after the traumatic event. It is treatable, but while it remains, it can be unbearable for some. But the other term that you may be less familiar with is post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is a, is a life that becomes deeper with meaning and joy after the traumatic event. It begins by recognizing that you can move beyond being a victim. You may not initially believe you have what it takes to recover. That's understandable. But I want to remind you that with God on your side, who or what can stand against you? Post-traumatic growth doesn't mean you forget what happened to you. It means that you've learned to live more deeply. You develop stronger relationships, greater awareness of new possibilities, increased personal strength, spiritual enhancement, and a deeper appreciation for life. Let me, again, offer an example from Scripture. In my biblical hero, Paul. He liked to brag about his calamities. 
his trauma. <laughs> Not because he wanted to lay hold, uh, hold of victimhood, but because it glorified God to show that he was able to overcome with God working through him. I like to call it Paul's resume. And this is what he says. I've had far greater labors, far more imprisonments, far worse beatings, and numerous brushes with death. Five times at the hands of the Jews I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I passed a night and a day on the deep, on frequent journeys and dangerous from rivers, dangerous from robbers, dangerous from my own race, dangerous from Gentiles, dangerous in the city, dangerous in the wilderness, dangers, he goes on, he goes, many sleepless nights through hunger and thirst, through frequent fastings, through cold and exposure. All this he speaks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, you may have experienced trauma, but let's go ahead and admit that this ranks in the top 10 of tough life lived. Yet Paul, as opposed to Solomon, lived a life of joy, purpose, and meaning. Paul came to understand that his weakness and trials made him stronger. Why? Because with less of him, there was more of God. His sacrifices were for others. As his reliance on God became increasingly apparent, so too did his sense of purpose, meaning, and joy grow. See, joy isn't a result of what happens to you but how you respond to your life circumstances, including the blessings you experience. You can live with overflowing abundance, but if you fail to recognize it with gratitude, you will experience neither happiness nor joy. Again, happiness is more ephemeral and depends on life going your way. But Paul's life demonstrates how circumstances don't dictate joy. On the face of it, his most joyful writings occurred while he was in prison. He spoke about what happened to him as light affection, affliction. Paul wrote that no matter his circumstances, he was content. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11. Why and how could he do this? First, he looked ahead at what awaited him, heaven, which paradoxically allowed him to find joy in the present. Contentment is that most essential element of joy. Without contentment, there's only striving. Paul speaks about resurrection a great deal. What he says is that it gives life meaning. Without resurrection, life is meaningless. Joy is impossible. Resurrection gave Paul focus and fuel. It kept him moving forward. And no matter where Paul landed, he had joy. Jesus says to pick up your cross and follow him. This is what Paul does This is what you can do. This is what you must do. To experience joy, you must not remain anchored to your past life. What happened to you must not define you. So let go of the past. The resurrection life you've been offered isn't just about what you experience after you've taken your final breaths here on earth. Your resurrection life begins now. And this isn't just mere optimism, believing that life can improve. Belief and faith recognize that life is more than what happened. It is what is happening now and what will continue to happen. It is what you do with your circumstances and how you find meaning in what is happening now. Yes, 
a glorious life does await you. But life isn't about waiting. It's about acknowledging that your life has purpose and meaning no matter your circumstances. How and where do you find that meaning that leads to joy? Paul states it here. He says, In him we were also chosen, destined in accordance in accord with the purpose of the one who accomplishes all things according to the intention of his will. Ephesians chapter 1. See, you have been chosen. It is the resurrected Jesus who tells you who you are and tells you that you were made for glorious, joyful living. Jesus says, quote, I have told you this so that my joy may be your joy, and it may be complete. John chapter 15. God wants so much more than for you to be happy. He wants you to experience the fullness of joy. You can continuously reset and reorient your life with prayer, bringing God into the moment, into the struggle. Recognize that you are not alone. The very same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, lives in you, and that is an incredible gift that you have been given. Overcoming hardship and developing strength and faith creates joy. Finding purpose and meaning creates joy. Experiencing God's love and loving others creates joy. Do you want joy? Do these things. That steak or that new pair of shoes or whatever may bring you happiness it won't last. Choose joy. I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.